I'm Ryan Nidell, host of 15 Minutes to Freedom, your daily action guide to getting shit done. Today's episode, as always, favorite episode of the week, the one where my beautiful wife sits across from me and we get to talk about all types of nonsense. Yeah, we're good at that. We are. We are. And today's nonsense is actually twofold. I've touched base on it on an old episode, plus it's a listener request in its own right. I'm going to call this episode Dating an Italian Woman or Being Married <laughs> to an Italian. But the listener request ended up being something along the lines of, you know, what's it like to date across cultural differences and and how does that work and what if religious reviews are up opposing it was relationship roles really like what's what's the role for a woman versus a man in a relationship like how we view that and then how differences in some cultural or religious background plays a role in what the man versus the woman role is okay in this i need to set up the frame on the front side that i have 23 minutes until i have a call to hop on this is real life shit like yeah. this is what really goes on like this is not a perfect equation Squeezing it in. Had a busy day. Lindsay's been in the office for a couple hours, waiting to shoot this podcast. And, and here we sit, like, it's time to just go. So, a little shorter episode, a little faster cadence in our speech patterns, but definitely very diligent. So, for me, when I talk about dating in Italian, I'm going to start on my side. Dating, of course, marrying, like, whatever. I, I slipped <laughs> up and said dating last night to Lindsay about something or two days ago. And she's like, wait, we're married. It's like, wait, <laughs> sure. Like, That's in my okay. Mind, you still date me. Yeah. And we've been married in my mind for a lot longer. Like, it doesn't really matter. But what I've noticed is in the, I can't even say in the Italian culture. I'll just say with Lindsay, like she is super, super, super fucking reactionary. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Like big time. Oh yeah. Like the instant response to any any event is to go from wherever normal is for her, whatever baseline is, mm -hmm. to like ten plus a little bit. Like it. There's no build up. There's no crescendo. It's yeah. For me, it's. Left dishes in the sink. And I'm like, fuck, all right. I know I left dishes in the sink, but I'm busy in the morning. That's not really, that's a lie. Because I don't I don't eat in the morning before I leave. Like, there's is a protein shaker in the sink. No, it's usually two or three because it's whatever. You, the day before. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you pull out of your bag when you realize you don't have any left and you just set those in the sink and then you get out a new one. Fair. Fair. So, uh -uh. so in that, like I drive to the gym, I do my normal stuff, and then I speak to her normally as I'm driving from gym number two to the office. And sometimes it's just, it's go time. And go time is like... She lays it on me aggressively about all the things – she's calling me everything other than husband in that moment because she's pissed off. I feel like that's super aggressive. <laughs> Point well taken. That's, that's, exactly what, that's exactly what this is. And maybe that's a bad example, but the examples are there nonetheless that who you are as a person, and maybe it's not even cultural. It feels a little bit because I've dated other Italian women before, and everybody has that like – I'm going to hit you in the head with a frying pan. Yeah. Like your, your mom has that, your aunt has that. As a matter of fact, my mom actually said that to my dad when they got married, like on their wedding day. Like if you ever cheat on me, if you ever like leave, like you better, oh no, 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 it wasn't cheating. Is If you ever hit me, you better fucking kill me because I will get up and smash your head in with a frying pan. Like the, that, those are the kind of things, like that happens in my family. That's a real, that's a real thing. And she'll tell you that this is not like a family secret. Yeah. So I don't know how much, <laughs> like I never want to tempt fate enough to see how much of that is actually true. Like the... The response, at least on the front side, of the big emotions associated with something are enough to make me typically not want to take a truly negative action. Now, what's ironic about the situation is when I was at my worst, living my worst life, doing the worst stuff I could do, was the only time I can remember you consciously being calm in a situation. Yeah. Usually, like if I get overly calm, though, it's because I'm probably close to murderous. 
Yeah, so, were, like, <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's this false wall I built around this situation. No, but. I don't know. I, I really like when I when I get calm and like focused, like I was with you with all of your dumb shit. It's it, it's just like a it's such an overwhelming calm because I really I'm so over the top upset and like emotional that I really have to center in my thoughts and my being so I don't kill you. I mean, that's fair. And for those of you that for some reason <laughs> may be new to this podcast, this is your first episode, what we're referring to is the first six months of our relationship, Lindsay and I's, way prior to marriage, way prior to right now. This was years and years we're, ago we're almost, now. Like, it feels like five years removed. Yeah. Come, come here pretty quick. But in those first you know, pivotal months, I was not faithful. I had another relationship when I met Lindsay, got caught once and was a slow learner and still was trying to tiptoe and tap dance between you know Lindsay and another relationship. And that eventually broke down and all came out. And in both those situations where I got caught, there wasn't a time where Lindsay yanked out the frying pan and threatened to beat me and chase me around the house. It was this polar opposite eerie calm. Like it was like they were just just having a conversation. It wasn't even like her eyes were squinty. And men, you know what I'm talking about. Like when you've done something <laughs> bad and you come home, like there's a time where your wife gets really or girlfriend, like her eyes get squinty and she's like glaring at you and you know you're screwed, you just don't know how bad. Like <laughs> there's yelling. None of this happened. It was just kind of like we're I feel like it's almost like we're talking now. Yeah. It, I mean, it was, but honestly, it was probably because I was in such shock and awe, that especially the second time around, that I just had to get calm so I didn't kill you. Well, thankfully, you didn't, because now that <laughs> you know, now that I'm not dead and I'm actually still here, <laughs> we've got a podcast that some people listen to, and I enjoy your company, so it you worked know, out for you. Like did. I feel like you really won in that situation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, you're the winner here. Well, I've, I've always been the winner. Oh, my God. I am God. a winner. That's how this works. Help me, people. Help me. This uh-huh. is what I have to live with every day. Thankfully, uh-huh. is what you mean of to course, say. Of course, yes. End. Like, thankfully, very, is what very, I get to have. Very, very humbly. Just super excited to be your wife every day. Well, yeah. I mean, I wake up and piss excellence is really what this comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You're the, humble. It's so yeah, nice. Humble, kind, caring, all those things, all those adjectives. But in that, like, there's all these different little nuances that go into dating or being married to... I'll say someone that has a good cultural background. Like for me, I'm a, a little bit of a mutt, like really a lot of bit of a mutt. Like I'm yeah, Eastern European. We did the whole DNA ancestry style test, came back and it was like 22% of four different things and then yeah. 3% of nine other things. And that's just how it was. So I don't have that purebred cultural bias in my system. Yeah. But you Which do. Is, and I, yes, I do. And, but it's, there's pros and cons to that, right? I mean, my, my, parents are Sicilian both sides um, and actually I think Calabria is on my dad's side as well um, or maybe it was my mom's I honestly I don't know everybody's freaking Sicilian is what it is but there's there's uh, I believe it was my grandfather there's Calabria on his side or something I don't know you're speaking a foreign language right now <laughs> get to the it's point sister Italy get to it <laughs> But, you know, they're Italian Catholics, and so everything is by the book, and there's rules, and just there's very strict ways of doing things. And my parents were first-generation Italians here, and so they, you know, couldn't have my, – my, my dad has an Italian first name, but an American middle name, and he always has gone by his American middle name because he was not supposed to have an accent growing up, so they only spoke Italian in the house – and they were not supposed to speak it out in public because it was not the American way. And so they tried to make it very Americanized, but they still stuck to their normal cultural stuff in the house. And as we have in now our generation with my brother and I. So, like, there's very strict things that, like, we had to 
have dinner every Sunday as a family and we had to go to church every Sunday and there was just, you know, things we had to do all the time. And my parents still operate that way for the most part. Yeah, and I would say over the generational gaps that happen and as our generation, because your brother's my age, mm-hmm. that we are much more trailblazing, meaning the fact that we, I feel truly feel our generation, generations after us are more willing to push on the corners of the box and debunk some of the things that have been passed down from generation to generation. Like, we certainly are not going to church every Sunday. No, and we don't have, we like. We don't have family dinner every Sunday. Like, there's things that, like, there's not these nine-course meals and everybody's yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. Run exactly around the kitchen yapping and, and saying things and all day. sausage are made in the basement. And, like, you know, there's a whole separate kitchen in the basement. Like, that's how my parents grew up. And, really, that's how we had it until, you know, we were old enough to be teenagers and be like, yeah, we're going to go hang with our friends. Right. <laughs> and then it stopped. And then it stopped. Yeah. And, you know, we still do our own version of that. But everything's a big deal in the Italian culture. Like you can't have a birthday without a big production or a holiday without a big production. And there just are things that have to happen all the time. Everybody's in your business. Everybody knows everything. You're looking at me like, what? No, no, it's true. Like this, this podcast has been a unique thing inside of the family especially in an Italian culture. Right, because uh, they're private. Yeah, like, and, and obviously you as a listener, you realize the fact of this has been a super cathartic situation for me. Like this podcast still to this moment is me getting rid of things and stories and limiting beliefs and just not carrying around shame and guilt like I used to for years and years. But that required me to dive into some pretty deep and ugly things. But those ugly things aren't manufactured. Like those are things that are my, my version and again, fully understanding the cognitive bias exists, but they're my version of the truth that I'm sharing. And in that, we've had a, a plethora of conversations with your family, like your mother and father. Yeah. Who I love, respect, you know, incredibly for everything they do. But there's a there's a gap of like, I don't understand why you are doing this. Right. And that's a it's a generational thing. It's a cultural thing because while everybody's in everybody's business, everything's kept within the family. Mm-hmm. So you don't, like there's there's a part of that culture that puts on an outward front to the world and then what goes on behind closed doors is kept within inside the family and in our generation now and then you know generations after us and then down to Gianna's generation everything is public for the most part and Mm -hmm. you know previous generations don't understand how that works because once everything is out there then it doesn't go away is their viewpoint and it's not just my parents it's just older generation period yeah, and I think there's still probably a lot of really devout Italian Catholics. Like when I think geographically located, when I start thinking, you know, New York, New Jersey, like the true areas where there's a, a high density and a high population of Italians, mm-hmm. you know, in one spot, I think a lot of this probably still goes on. Like, yeah, oh, I'm sure. And like, you know, those kind of things is just part of the culture and the whole reactionary thing about being Italian. I mean, you had a podcast out today with Guy Cisternino. He's a reactionary person, too. Uh, We've sat down with him so many times crazy. and he and I go at it about all kinds of stuff every time we sit down together. But but it's never in like it, it's not serious. Like we're not really aggressive, but like we're the loudest people at the table. We're the people that are talking over each other constantly, always aggressive and reactionary about whatever subject. But it's never with any kind of real animosity. It's just the way we are. Yeah, and it, it's crazy. Like, so I want to. If you've listened to the show, you might have heard this with Guy Cisternino. So, my apologies for reiterating the same story, but it has impact. So, Guy Cisternino, a buddy of ours, 
bodybuilder in town for the Arnold Classic, in town for some some other stuff at another time. And so I pick him up from the airport or pick him up from his hotel. And Lindsay, him, uh, a friend of his, we all go to dinner. And we end up being – we're at the sushi restaurant. Like the four of us at the sushi restaurant that in Columbus is really like the sushi restaurant to go yeah, to. Yeah, it's very, very nice. Very good. You know, some of the best food. And, and we're sitting there and it's a round table. And you look around and we're pretty much the only white people. Like I don't know how to say it. Like <laughs> it's a very ethnic environment yeah. when it comes down to the Chinese. Like it's the place you'd want to go. Yeah. And so we're in there, and we're having this this meal, and we're, we're talking, and all of a sudden, the conversation, like the the woman, the friend that guy is with, is just a friend, and and she's not Italian, and I, of course, am not <laughs> Italian, but then across from one another are the two Italians, guy, sister Nino, by the nature <laughs> of his last name, and Lindsay Lorello, and they're poking at each other as it comes down to wedding soup, soup versus. What did he tell me it was? I said, you, we're talking about the recipe to wedding soup. And he was like, you're talking about Zuba de Pesh. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And we actually ended up getting his parents on the phone. No, time out. I got <laughs> Sure. He, they, guy calls his mother on speaker, FaceTime, FaceTime yeah. speakerphone out loud, middle of this crowded restaurant that's got a pretty low ambiance. Like, it's not super noisy. Well, the Asian culture is very quiet. Absolutely. And in fact, we're at a nice restaurant. And Guy, full long beard, baseball hat on backwards, looking like he just got out of the gym. Lindsay being loud in Italian. And there he's loud in Italian. And all of a sudden now, he's got his mom on the phone. Who's also loud in Italian. Who's also loud in Italian, who is in the car with her husband, who's loud in Italian. And they're literally like everybody's yelling at each other across the table. And the whole restaurant, it's like a scene out of a movie. Everybody stops. And like, I feel at least like everybody's looking like, who are these crazy people? Yeah. Talking about wedding soup and the ingredients that go in it and how you make it versus how we make it because different parts of Italian culture make things differently like northern and southern Italy and especially then Sicily it just everybody has a different recipe for stuff yeah because even these purebred Italians can't get along with it you know which side of Italy is the right side to be on like is it the north side is it the south side like you're all Italians but not really because what Sicilians and what? what's the, what's the other Oh, from uh, Calabria is the other, but oh, they, and they, they, it they was, don't count, right? No, they, well, they count, but they don't count. The there was like a big rift in my family because my, I think it was great grandmother now was like very well to do, and she married somebody from Calabria that was not well to do at all, and her her family was super upset about that. These were my great grandparents. So this wonderfully <laughs> powerful Italian culture can't even decide which part of Italy. Nah. Because there's things to argue about all the time. Like, it's not everything. Everybody, Everything's everything, an argument. We're just like really passionate about things. And, like, I mean, you, my brother does it too, right? It's just like he's no, loud. Your and brother he, stays quiet until no. he's provoked. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But that's because he had to grow up with me and my mother. <laughs> Man, I'm not talking about that. I'm not going on that path right now. That's not important for the show. Poor Michael. So, what ends up happening is, from my standpoint, is I have learned to adapt to how Lindsay responds. Like there's a, a bunch of times where Lindsay is what I'll say triggered. Like she's got that high emotional peak that comes that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like I'm not the creating factor. Right. Like I'm not the only one that pisses her off. Might be crazy, but there's plenty of stuff. Like the wind blowing sometimes. Yeah. But I also have reactions like super excited and, and like fun talking, crazy. We're not talking about those it's not right always now. pissed off. We're not talking about the fun reactions. Uh, of course not. No. And so when she gets loud and is mad and upset 
I have realized how to help navigate those waters. Yeah, it's crazy with you. You're so, the only one. <laughs> well, that's why we're married. So how do I navigate those waters for you? Well, you touch me, first of all. That's the first thing you do. <laughs> you touch me. Kind of. I, I, st- I let you just go. Yeah, you like, just let me go. I don't, you let me go and you you like, you like don't say any you don't say anything. You just let me go and, and keep talking and... You know, I get louder and then eventually I could get it all out and you just kind of like look at me and sometimes you laugh and, you know, because you don't take it personally because it's typically not about you. You start laughing. You give me that half smile you're doing right now, which is so cute. And (laughs) (laughs) there's a point in her progression, like when she gets fired up, the octave of her voice raises, her eyes get more squinty, her forehead, her brow start to furrow a little bit. Yeah. And all this goes until it reaches a crescendo, and then it slowly starts to taper back down. And I know there's a point, as it's coming down, where there's really no more fuel left. She wants to keep yelling because she thinks she needs to, but yeah. if she doesn't get a response from me, and there's yeah. nobody else around to, Ugh, to fuel it. I hate it, that. There's Give nobody me else. Yeah, there's nobody yeah. else there. It kind of has to dissipate. Give me a little feedback, like fuel my fire a little bit. And so there's but no you fuel. don't. No, and then, then in that place, I look at her, I laugh, because I think it's hilarious. Like, really, our life, fully admittedly. <laughs> There's nothing that goes on that's really worth yelling about. Like, that's just not. Like, our life is not that bad. No, it's not. But, like, not I, even comparatively. Everything is, yeah. Like, it's just, I'm, it's just not. And so, whether it's I left laundry out or didn't put stuff in the dishwasher or right now it's the dogs. Like, we, Roman, the oh, brown dog. Damn dogs. See? Just to see for right now. Like, <laughs> the, the brown dog, he's three years old. He's still spiky and spiteful. And he, I call him the emperor because he's like a little he's king. He's a dick. But he's got a little bit of an issue with like, he just decides he wants. He'll look at you and just piss on the floor. Like it's not. He doesn't whine. He just like fuck you. I'm gonna no, do what I want. Well, right. It's typically when we tell him like he can't do something. Like you can't get on the other night. You can't get on the couch, Roman. Like I just I had just washed all the couch like the couch covers because they smelled like dog and Gianna spilled something on it or whatever. Like it's a couch. Took all the covers off. Put it in the wash. It smelled so nice. Like it was all clean. And the dogs want to get on. And no, you're not getting on there. Well, they they think you know we can get on the couch. So he gets mad because I told him, Roman, you can't get on the couch. And what does he do? That little shit goes to his bed, looks at us, and pees right in front of us on the bed that I had just washed on his dog bed. But he also pees on the actual bed if he's pissed off that he can't get on or can't do something. He'll go in the spare room and he'll just pee on the bed. So Roman, a.k.a. the emperor, Ugh. is the man. Like I, I love this little brown dog. I hate him. Anybody want a dog? He's super aggressive at the front door, so like no one's going to ever hurt you. He's a good protect- protector. Is Frito <laughs> good home? Yeah, but, but what's uh, like this is proving the point over and over again. Like, <laughs> like how angry she just got right now in the moment. Coupled with the uh. fact, if we're truthful about it, when I had Zeus, our first pit bull, when Lindsay and I first got together, I had pretty much a standing rule that Zeus, because I had leather furniture, he wasn't allowed on the furniture. Like it was just he wasn't allowed on the bed. Really, he wasn't allowed on the furniture. Lindsay and I move in together, and right away I come home and the dog's on the couch. Oh my god! But he's such a little meatball. Like. Okay, so Zeus is the best. So, like, please, you, the listener, listen to what is just just transpiring. <laughs> she's mad the dog gets on the couch because it makes the couch smell, but yet she's the one that invited the dog. I did. Like, there's this whole contradictory I know. all the time. I know. And then when I change my mind, I expect them to just, you know, get it. They yeah. have very nice dog beds in our family room. One of them, the other one, he gets all pissed on. It's got yeah. piss all over it. No, oh. it's not. We cleaned it, of course. But. But in that, like, the dog is a triggering factor. So she blows up at the dog, and I hate the dogs, and I want to sell them, and these are the last dogs we ever get. If we get some other dogs, going to be small, small dogs. dogs. No more pit bulls. I don't know the one does all the stuff with the dogs. Like, And it just, it just goes. The only one feeds them and walks them, and they only get up when I get up. Like, It just goes uh, and goes and goes. And I wait, 
and I wait <laughs> and I wait and then I smile at her and then I walk up and touch her and then I'll, I'll typically like I'll hold her for a second I'll hug her and then I just laugh at her yeah and then it goes away yeah like there's nothing else there's nothing sometimes th- I try to continue to be pissed because you're making me laugh but I can't no so it's been it's been a great learning lesson to figure out how to navigate the Italian waters of your personality. I feel like a lot of women are reactionary, though. It's not just the Italian. Hey, I'm not making this a sexist thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm also not making it a you know a cultural thing, really. I just know from my experience, having dated slash married now an Italian, that there's a bunch of quirks that go on. Just like I'm oh, sure yeah. every every culture has them. And so to touch base quickly, we're almost out of time today, which is weird to be on a, on a shot clock, but. We are. When I'm on a shot clock, he just keeps going. When he's on a shot clock, we have to end at 26 minutes. I mean, you can keep going. I you just run the rest <laughs> of the show. I would love that. I would love to see what magic you come up with by yourself. That's right. But we no seriously, we have to touch on the on the listener request part of this, the relationship roles. Have at it. Well, what what do you feel that the question was? What do we feel our roles are in a relationship, man versus woman? So what do you think your role is as the man in a relationship? Not just ours, just what do you think a man's role is in a relationship? And ours, I guess. I don't I don't necessarily believe in gender-defined roles anymore. Like yeah, I, just, I don't either, which is was pretty much what I answered her, but Yeah, I mean I I think it at some level to be a man means to be a protector and a provider, but that's more based off of genealogical pass downs and right. old pretenses but like I wouldn't have any problem if all of a sudden you started making a million dollars a year and you were the provider like we've been in that role before where you were the one that was providing higher than I was yeah and a certain level of that might have clipped a little bit of my manhood but not that much because I was still in the process of trying to provide as well mm-hmm. it was just the balance was inverted from mm-hmm. what I would say would be quote unquote normal same thing when it comes to like cooking and cleaning and all that stuff by the nature of the fact that you're home more than I am yeah you do those things, but I don't look at it as like that's your job or your requirement. Like, we've had plenty of weekends where I wake up on a Saturday and I just start cleaning because it's yeah. time to clean. Like, I don't know. We're pretty. Go- I mean, we had this episode about pitching in and stuff a, a while back, and we both pitch in. I think my house role is stronger than yours because I am home more than you are. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's because I'm the woman taking on that role. It's just I'm home. So you know, I don't know when you're home. We kind of do the same things. Absolutely. But you're terrible at the the dishes. I am. I am. And, you know, there's some things, too, as we've covered about pitching in. Like, I would say it's more a masculine energy item to mow the yard, to edge, to do all those things. I don't think, like, pulling weeds is a little more, quote, unquote, feminine. But here we jump into all this, like, what's right and wrong? That's what I said. Like, all this stuff is bullshit. Well, the answer for me is that, and what I said to this listener, is that, you have to figure out what works for you and your relationship and don't let some kind of cultural role decide for you what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Because this particular person is in a situation where um, it's a Latin household. She's dating um, a, a Latin American man and his family is very controlling in what they want him to do and her to do. And they are living under his parents' roof right now. And so it's more that the that culture thinks that the woman should stay home and bear children and take care of children and do anything the man wants and cater to the man all the time and these are her words i don't mm-hmm. know anything about it um and so you know if the man steps out on a relationship fine you you have to support him in that like it doesn't matter if he cheats on you 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 know you have a role and she doesn't agree with these things and she was worried that 
her significant other would start to adapt these things as his lifestyle because he's not broken the bond with his family where they still have a great influence on his mindset. Look, the bottom line is no matter what your cultural or religious differences are, you have to set your own path. You have to figure out what works for you in your relationship. So if that means moving out of the house and having your own household with its own set of rules and your own set of boundaries for your relationship, then that's what it means. You can't live by somebody else's rules. And if that's something that he wants and that's not something that she wants, then it doesn't work. Well, right. So that's like all that's screaming to me over and over again is communication. And communication Correct, breaks exactly down, what I told her. Like breaks down everything or builds everything. So in this situation, there comes a harsh fact that we all have to face in life, and that is you're going to have to have the tough conversations. Like there's a bunch yeah. of tough conversations we all have to have, whether it's a partner or with a coworker or even with ourselves. So I look at in this situation, okay, you have woman A over here and you have man B over here, different sides, like I'm holding them in my right, my right and left hand. Mm-hmm. And there's some pieces of both A and B that match up. Of course. And there's some pieces of A and B that aren't quite matching up. And there's some that will never match up. Mm-hmm. But until you have that conversation right in between and say like, look, this is what is truly important to me. Like these are my non-negotiables. And as long as you know why they're your non-negotiables, not because of and it could be for you, but if it's a if it's a cultural bias, if it's because my parents did it and their parents did it, and you think that truly serves you to honor that same commitment, then you'd be able to verbalize that and realize there could be ramifications behind it. Right. But in the nature of especially cohabitation relationship and depending on the the financial wherewithal of each, some of these conversations I feel like get, you know, shuffled to the background because of fear of change. Well, and it's fear of loss too, right? If you say, you know, these are my non-negotiables and you are you have that fear that your partner is going to say, well, I can't live with that, peace out. There's a possibility that that can happen, right? They might not want to communicate about those things. And mm-hmm. so that fear of loss keeps people from communicating, hey, you know, like I'm not okay with this situation. I want to talk about what this means. I want to figure out what these roles are. But every couple needs their own family unit and their own routine because it can't always be about what your parents did or what their generation did. I mean, perfect example, I remember having a phone call with my dad when I first moved in with a man. Um, I think I was like my maybe junior or senior year of college and calling my dad and saying like, hey, I'm going to move in with this guy. And he was floored. Like that was a huge no-no, not only in my culture but in my family. And I just thought – if I don't do this, I'm not gonna I'm not going to not live with somebody just because my parents didn't and just because their parents didn't and it's not the way our culture does things or it's not what society thinks. It's for me, it's what I need, it's what I had to think about. I don't wanna marry somebody and move in with them and go, holy shit, I can't live with this person. This is terrible. Then what? Then I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. So I remember calling my dad and being like, you know, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not gonna do it your way. I'm doing it my way. There's some points in a couple's life where you have to say like you know what I like it this way what do you think about that where can we come together on this and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you have to have the conversation to know what you're getting into yes and even that like it, it just it's it's so consistent I feel like you we could have 12 episodes about this it's all communication so in this situation you just said you had communi- communication with your parents based off what you felt was important to you and then also communicated with your boyfriend at that time that mm-hmm. it felt good enough to move in with them right like it's two levels of communication there so it has to go I'll say up and downstream like it has to be both ways mm-hmm. and having had a conversation with these two you know the two that we're speaking about the, the boyfriend and girlfriend and mm-hmm. understanding some of their situations 
is not to pick or to poke or say that, again, I don't believe that there's right and wrong. I believe does it serve you or does it not serve you. Right. So the fact there's all these questions that are racing around, you ha- I would encourage you to consider that what your thought processes are right now don't serve you because mm-hmm. there's parts of you that are left void or these reach outs wouldn't be happening in the same way they are. Like you want questions answered, which comes of one of two things. You're generally curious because you just are curious or you're looking for validation of a point that you already have in your head that you want social proof that it's the right one. Right. I don't know which one that is. It doesn't matter. But that's the only two reasons we really ask questions. Because inside of us, I truly believe we all know the answers. We just want somebody to tell us it's the right way to go. Yeah, you want your response or thoughts or feelings validated from outside world. Of course. And I get it. Like, I've been there. I'm not saying that I'm not there right now in some things. It's just a conversation will always have to be had of like, okay, here's what I have to have in my life. Like, I'm not okay with you ever cheating on me. I'm not okay with, you know... Family dinners every Sunday. I want to eat more than spaghetti and meatballs every day. Like, whatever the things are. Like, again, I'm making it up and making light of the situation. But if you've seen this pattern, especially if you've lived together inside of a household, and you've seen all these things, you're like, man, I I couldn't see really doing that stuff 10 years from now in the same way. Yeah. Then you owe it to yourself, not anybody else. This is weird. Fuck everybody else. Like, that's why communication breaks. You're so worried what everybody else is going to think and say and act. If you start listening to yourself and, like, honor yourself and your own message, this becomes way easier. Mm-hmm. Because you're just like, look, I don't want spaghetti every night for the next 10 years. I just don't. Yeah. Like, I don't want spaghetti more than once a week. And Lindsay at that point could say, well, like, okay, I'll concede to six days a week, but no less than that. That's a deal breaker. Like, I don't want any spaghetti. Like, I'm out. <laughs> I can, it's very humorous and it's very coy and, and pretty BS example. Yeah, but, but you can apply it to anything. Yeah, at some Take point. Take spaghetti and inject something else. Yeah, you have to get to a point where you understand what you want, you understand why you want it, and then you take action to actually get it for long enough that you end up with the desired result. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a metaphor for everything you do in your life. Like how you want to perform in the gym, how you want to perform you know, with your partner, how you want to perform at work, like whatever the things are. Like These are the pieces and parts that have to go into making good decisions that are healthy. Yeah, and I wouldn't get stuck too much in a relationship role unless that's something that you and your partner traditionally like and are agreement are in agreement with. So if if it's the woman and she wants to go out and be the provider and the dad wants to stay home and raise kids and that works for you, do it. I don't think there's any kind of quote unquote stead role anymore in this society. And and in all honesty, reiterating what you said, who gives a fuck what they think? Do what works for you and what serves you inside your family and your relationship. Yeah, and it's a crazy thing to say, and I'll say this out loud, and I'll probably catch some heat for it, but admittedly, I hope I do in some capacity because it means that you've expanded your capacity. If you are living to satisfy and please your parents, there's going to come a day where they die. There's going to come a day where they're not on the earth with you. Mm-hmm. And you now are forced, forced to fill a void that created by people that ultimately aren't there to dictate your future decisions. Right. So although I'm not saying to disobey and dishonor your parents, if you're making decisions based off of what they have done and what their parents have done that you don't understand now that you want to do for you, wouldn't you rather live an authentic and organic life and deal with the pushback from your parents and be able to live your best way with them while they're here versus 10, 10, 15 additional years of living under their thumb and then trying to recalibrate in the future, Like especially if you, depending on the religious beliefs you have, like they would know about it anyways. Like then they would be disappointed. Then you have the shame and guilt of like, oh, well, they died and now I'm still not honoring them. And so you end up living a way you didn't want to live for your entire life based off something that your parents instilled upon you. 
that may or may not serve you. Right. And it inhibits both of you as people from expansion and growth. Like if you have a conversation that's tough with your parents, there's an opportunity for both of you to expand and grow your thoughts and your mentality about something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a, a solid... A solid take on that. Like, I don't have a whole bunch of extra stuff as yeah. it comes to that. I mean, you could run around for 25 more minutes about how it all comes down to communication and, you know, roles in a in a relationship based on how you feel with a, your partner and all that stuff. But really, it just comes down to serving what's best for you and then in turn communicating with what's best for you and your partner between the two of you. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I have one more thing that just popped in my head. That the fear of change is difficult. Like there could be a chance that if you're listening to this conversation right now, you realize that your partner is not the right one. And that fear of like, how am I going to have the conversation? How am I going to move on? We have enough things that are entwined with each other. This isn't comfortable. I can just get by. Like these are things. These are normal conversations. These are things that you used to say. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Things I used to say. Like these yeah, are not- everybody that's had a failed relationship at some point, you've had that thought going, oh man, this is not it for me. What do I, what do, I do? But the fear and the story you've told yourself that has been developed in your subconscious is inevitably 100 times worse than the actual application of what's Every going time. on. Every time. Because you look at up until this moment, if you're listening to this, you're not dead. You just can't be. And you've went through a bunch of stuff that in the moment you're scared shitless to do. Maybe it was you know, start a new job. Maybe it was admit failure. Maybe it was you've been in prison or you've done some stuff you're just not proud of that you're scared to death. How am I going to get past it? Mm-hmm. But here you are, in some capacity, either working through it or all the way through it and past it. It didn't kill you. You were just afraid it was going to. Right. And so when you start to reframe what your positioning is going forward, that no matter how difficult it is, it's only going to force you to become a better and more all-encompassing and expansive individual. Then you start looking for gifts in the fear. Because when you get through something, you have a new capacity to understand and overcome a new stimulus that you can then help other people overcome the same. Correct. It's really a whole different way to start looking at life. Yes, I, I 100% agree with that. I'm thinking of like, should I add something there? But you hit the nail on the head with all of that. That is, And it's how we live our life. So this is not new information to you and I, but hopefully we'll help somebody else. Absolutely. So that being said, wrapping up today's episode, appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you spending time with Lindsay and I. Yes, thank you. And look forward to hearing more feedback on how we can make more episodes that have impact on your life. Like I'd love the the listener feedback and the listener requests and having some of those come in. So whether you direct message Lindsay or you direct message me on, on Instagram, drop me an email at ryan at gsdmediagroup.com, however you get a hold of us. It's truly great to correspond and go back and forth. So we expand our capacity through helping you expand yours. If you guys can keep doing that for us every day, we'll be able to get shit done.